0: Welcome back to Everyday Theologian, where myself, Pastor Ty Cordemash, and our media director, Chad Lewis, we get together and we just have a little conversation. We talk about things of the church, talk about happenings that are specific to our congregation and community, and just things that kind of are on our mind, things we're thinking about. And thought maybe you might have some thoughts on them too. Yeah. So here we are again, and uh, today... We're going to talk a little bit about, um, the Christian year, what our calendar looks like, and also the lectionary, revised common lectionary. And if you're sitting there going, what are they talking about? Don't worry. We're going to tell you. (laughs) So we're going to start out with the, the Christian calendar, the Christian year, um, Maybe you've noticed when you're in church how the the cloth that's used on the altar, or maybe the pulpit, uh, maybe the banners that might be used in decorating, even the what your pastor wears, um, maybe their robe, or I don't know. Maybe pay more attention to uh, to their actual <laughs> clothing, and um, but but color. Is rather significant yeah. in helping us understand where we find ourselves um, in the Christian year. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so we wanted to talk about that. The first part of, the first thing is the Christian year begins. Drum roll, please, <laughs> four Sundays before Christmas. That's really hard for us to kind of think about because right. Um We celebrate New Year's Eve. We celebrate the new year with all kinds of things on January 1st, December 31st. So that's when the year begins. Then we also, I mean, you can go get a calendar at the store that begins in July or September. I know, right? I
1: have never seen those.
0: Oh, I don't know why. I just happened to get one two years ago that started in July. Half the year's over. People are going, oh, I need a calendar all of a sudden. Huh. <laughs> I don't know. It's <laughs> weird. But so, yeah, so mine, like, I just got a new one. Huh. Um, some people, though, you we think of the year starting wh- around school. Yeah. So that's, like, end of August, beginning of September. Um, those are the calendars we're used to. Mm-hmm. So for us in the Christian faith, that's kind of crazy for us to add on another calendar. But we do begin um, with our celebration of, or no, sorry, let me clarify, with our preparation during Advent for our celebration of Christmas. Yeah. and And you could really kind of, You could look at the Christian calendar as being um, having two central um, cycles almost of of a time of preparation, a celebration, and then a time um, after that celebration where we're investing in ministry and discipleship. Yeah. So those two times would be Advent that starts either like, the last usually it's around the last Sunday of November, mm-hmm. maybe the first of December. Of course, we we all know that, depending on when Christmas falls. And then, so we have the preparation of Advent, we have the celebration of Christmas, and then we have a time after that of discipleship. And we've, in the past, and depending on the denomination, maybe you've you've um, celebrated the season of Christmas or epiphany happens right after Christmas. And so it might be the season of epiphany.
1: I've seen both.
0: Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, Sometimes depending on how long it is between Christmas and Lent, um, you might even hear it called ordinary time. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Then the next cycle is the season of Lent, which begins with Ash Wednesday. The celebration of Easter. Mm -hmm. And then there's a few weeks after Easter, before Pentecost, 50 days actually. And then the season, then we have Pentecost, the continued celebration, um, where we talk about the birth of the church, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And then the season after Pentecost, which goes all the way through May, (laughs) June, July, August, September, October, November. and the, the Sunday before Advent begins, we call Christ the King Sunday or the reign of, of Christ. And that, so that's kind of like our New Year's celebration when mm-hmm. we celebrate Christ the King. Um, so those are the cycles. Kind of makes sense, yeah. right? When you lay them out like that. Um, so then we have some things that are kind of important to highlight with that. One of the things is the ordinary time piece.
1: This is new to me.
0: Yeah,
1: at least the the explanation of it.
0: Right. So I don't know if you've ever heard um, that phrase, that phrasing, but but there's a, there are times within the Christian calendar where that are referred to as ordinary time. And I've heard all kinds of people talk about, well, it's not ordinary. How do we call it? Why do we call it ordinary? That doesn't make sense. Shouldn't we like be living into what we're celebrating and mm-hmm. all that kind we, of stuff? We
1: talked about that um, on our, our follow-up to Easter. Yes. Uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. And that was that was my big criticism of the church calendar. It's like, why why is it ordinary time? Why is it not the season of Pentecost?
0: Right? Yes.
1: The season of the Holy Spirit or, yeah. you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Something more exciting. Yeah. Ordinary time feels <laughs> boring. And,
0: <laughs> and mundane, and mon- routine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I so I think it's funny that, well, maybe funny, interesting, that there are two different things that I think play into that, to our thought process that allows us to draw that conclusion. First of all, the word ordinary for us, anytime you use the word ordinary, it does bring to mind mundane, routine, that type of Normal. Thing. Normal. Yeah. Yes. And what's normal? <laughs> Who wants to be normal? That's so boring, right? Yeah. Um. So to just go ahead and, and put this out there that the actual use of that word has nothing to do with the meaning that we typically associate it. So this is kind of cool. The word ordinary here does does not mean routine or not special, but it refers to the ordinal numbers, which means first, second, third, etc. like that that are used to name and count the Sundays such as the third Sunday after Pentecost. So it's not the routine unspecial. It just is referring to the number of weeks since the last celebration, (laughs) you know? So that's cool that that like, oh, that... That's like really neat. I'm really glad that we're sharing that and that we're talking about that.
1: Because I, after we we finished that conversation a couple of weeks ago, I I went back onto the computer at my desk, looked at our our church's calendar and saw that it was labeled first, second, third, you know, all the way up to whatever, however many weeks after Pentecost. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man. It's labeled this way, but it's not the season of Pentecost. It's yeah. it's called something else, and so to me that was a discrepancy,
0: uh-huh.
1: and I was so confused. But this makes sense. It that does it's, that. It's this this Latin translation yeah. that really does not translate well.
0: Totally. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Right. Absolutely. It does not translate well at all. <laughs> <laughs> So here is one of those seemingly useless facts that we need to hold on to, tuck it away cuz this is one that like is really good to know, it's helpful to know yeah. anytime a conversation like this comes up. So that is one part that like is is interesting and good to know. The other thing though that I think leads us to believe or feel like the celebration of Pentecost ends and that it's only one day is the fact that the color of the material the paraments we call them that are used in worship turn uh, we change them from red to green yeah and so then green and calling the time ordinary <laughs> allows us to feel like yeah it's not the continuation of that season but that we're changing and then the green's there for so long and mm-hmm. then we do kind of feel a little like routine blah mundane whatever it's not so special it's just green yeah
1: <laughs> we'll get into this a little bit later but the i think the the liturgy and the lectionary of the church could help inform a new take on the green on mm. the ordinary time because really, uh, I mean, Pentecost is this transition, right? Sure. We celebrate, you know, part of the Jewish heritage around Passover, mm-hmm. uh, leading into Easter, and with the resurrection, and then the Ascension, and the Holy Spirit, we get, we then get the Church in Scripture, as as we would understand its development and yeah. establishment, and so perhaps the way the lectionary is laid out could help us uh have a new light into what feels ordinary sure and maybe maybe that just just understanding that more could could bring a new a new celebration and a time that just feels kind of normal and mundane yeah. and you know business as usual
0: (laughs) yeah and and it's I think it's important to to note that in these two cycles while there's not a lot of time between Christmas and um and Lent so right you've got that those two cycles of the preparation the celebration and then this ordinary time this numbering of those weeks in between uh, they are. We really should look at them as times of uh, seasons of discipleship. Yeah. And and so a lot of the lectionary, which we'll get to, does allow for us to spend time in certain scriptures to help us better see and understand and develop to better develop our understanding of who God is as a result of the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, Mm -hmm. the death of Christ, um, the, you know, the ascension, the pouring out of the Holy spirit ministry and what that is to be, to be living as a disciple. So, so all of those ordinary numbered weeks, should really be part of our preparations should we we need to be looking at that as like which I think is probably why they chose green right green is a is a a color that causes us to think of growth yeah right the leaves on the trees the grass that's green that's always growing and always needing trimmed always needing cut you know the vine um the grapevine that, uh, you're always having to prune, and but it continues to grow. And that yeah. is what that that time should be for us, that after, after the preparation and the celebration should lead us to times of growth. So pretty cool. Yeah. Definitely. And then with each of those seasons we have um, in the calendar, there's a different color that goes along with it. And uh, so that's something that you – Will notice (laughs) if you're in your church on a regular basis. Um, So Christ the King, which is that last week of the of the Christian year, is going to be white, and because that's that's the color that we use for high holy day kind of thing. You might call it uh, the big celebrations. So that's what we would use on like Christmas Day. That's what we use on. On Easter, um, that's what we use on Christ the King, the white. Um, and then, but then, so the first week of the Christian calendar, which is the first week of Advent, most at uh, traditionally most churches would use purple. It's a you know just a royal color. Yep. Though a new trend, I can't even tell you how long it's been going. I mean, I would say probably at least twenty years. Is, that long. Oh yeah.
1: I I only noticed it I think within the last 5.
0: Yeah. Sure.
1: We had used purple for forever.
0: Yeah. So a new trend is blue. Yeah. Um and I think one of the reasons is that we we the church had been using purple for Advent and Lent, that royal purple color. And so to even give it more of a distinction those two separate times um, blue has become for some congregations the predominant color for advent Mm -hmm. so we go from um, we go from purple to white on Christmas then um, epiphany which is the week after would be green because that is what we're calling an ordinary time where we're numbering those weeks between Christmas and Lent. Yeah. So it goes green for a few weeks, depending on the season and where Easter falls in the spring. But then on Ash Wednesday, the color will then change to purple and we'll have purple all the way through Holy week. Um, now some churches might do like a red during Holy week. They might do black, uh, Mm -hmm. during Holy week, or maybe just strip the church of all color during Holy week. Uh, you know, specifically like the Monday, Thursday, good Friday type of time. Um, but then Easter it's either it's white or gold. Some churches use gold, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and some of that I think is a denominational thing. Um, sure. Or just it could really just be the congregation <laughs> and whatever, you know, yeah. pyramids they purchased. Um, so then we have, uh, but we leave that, that white actually stays up for the 50 days between Easter and Pentecost. And then on Pentecost, we use red for the yep. Holy Spirit, right? Now, now here, this, uh, the last several weeks since Pentecost, which was May 23rd, I believe, this year, um, we've actually left the red. And, uh, part of the reason was my ordination because we wanted to be able to, like, my ordination stole, which is what you call the scarf kind of looking thing that some pastors will wear in Protestant churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, my ordination stole was red for the Holy Spirit and Pentecost. So we left that up so that, uh, last this past Sunday, pastor Alan and I wore our red Pentecost stoles, but the the color has already changed (laughs) (laughs) in preparation for the coming week. Um, so it is green and, uh, yeah. So most yeah. of the time, if your pastor is wearing a stole or other kind of vestments, because that also depends on the congregation or the denomination you're part of. Right in the Catholic Church, um, priests usually have, uh, you know, some kind of alb and some... It's usually a bigger... Uh, it's not just a robe, right? They kind of wear a robe underneath, and then there's other layers that they'll put on top. Yeah. Um, the same like in the Episcopal and Anglican denominations... Uh, they have more elaborate, I would say, um, uh, garb, dress, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. But in our denomination, we have a robe that we wear, and then a stole, just more of a simple, a simple stole. Um, but then this coming week, we we have communion, and so while Pastor Alan and I will be wearing a robe, which we which we do for communion. Um we may wear a green stole. Uh we may wear a white one for communion. Um we may have a special communion stole that we wear. Hmm. So so the stoles can kind of change even within the season. Yeah. Um depending on what the what the week is, if there's a special celebration or something like that. So
1: that's cool. Yeah, I does. never, I never noticed that before, but that that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's so many. I mean, you know, just like anything, especially these days, there's so many people who make stoles or yeah. just have so many creative design ideas. So while some people go with something simple, or um, a lot of places, a lot of churches will have some a stole that matches the the paraments that are actually. On mm-hmm. like the altar or the uh, community table, that kind of thing. So it would be the same material. It might be the same um, cross design or yeah. or whatever it might be. So that's kind of cool, you know that that's that's a thing. Um, but then there's this thing called Etsy. <laughs> if you've heard <laughs> of it, it's very dangerous. But so many people are so creative and they just come up with either a beautiful pattern or image. And so stoles can really help tell stories as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 I'll just share too real quick on a personal note that that's my my stole that I was ordained with, my Pentecostal, has a very special story for me personally. You know, of course, it does have have flames on it and, and it has kind of the look of that, like the Pentecost flame kind of thing. But but my mother-in-law made it, so that makes it special. And then there's just several personal touches to it. You know, she included um, the handprints of all my nieces and nephew, and, and she included different materials that just mean a lot to our family. So that's really cool. It, you know, that is, you can do something like that. Too. It is a
1: beautiful stole. Thank you. Yeah, it, it really, really is.
0: I think it's pretty striking and it's different. It's unique. Yeah. No one else will ever have that one. So that's really yeah. neat too. Yeah. Cool. Anything else about the Christian year? No,
1: I think, I think the, the, the biggest thing, at least for me is, is understanding ordinary time. Mm. Yeah. And having that's a better, really cool. having a better understanding of that really like frames the rest of the year and how, mm-hmm. I guess how we should be acting as a church as opposed to just kind of going about our business, because that to me having the green up, even when I was in the Catholic Church growing up, uh, when it was green, it just everything felt basic, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and so, learning more about what the what the church calendar is and um, really understanding the different seasons, it I've always felt like we should be doing more, and we should be. I'm convinced now that it's our our translation of what ordinary is that mm-hmm. has influenced maybe our lack of action. Sure. Just as individual churches, let alone the universal church. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that every church is just going about normal mundane business throughout the year when holidays aren't happening. Sure. But um, in general, it it has always felt like, okay, this is our season to kind of breathe <laughs> and not be in this uh, intense preparation for something. And it, it kind of feels like we can just kind of relax. And maybe, maybe we do relax a little too much. Yeah. But understanding that ordinary time is numbered weeks. It is a different way of recognizing the season of something. Mm-hmm. It makes more sense to me now, and moving into like the liturgical calendar now, mm-hmm. which is for uh, for preaching, right? I've I've had a sp- always kind of had a special uh, respect for uh, liturgy mm-hmm. and the lectionary, mm-hmm. particularly in, in this mindset that liturgy isn't just the way or the the roadmap for preaching and, you know, a a guide for picking scripture, but more as maybe how a particular Sunday is structured. Mm -hmm. Liturgy to me has always has been the, the idea of the experience Mm -hmm. of worship. Mm -hmm. Um, and so looking at the calendar and the vestments and, uh, the lectionary and the particular way that, you know, hymns or songs are picked and, and the order and, uh, how how we frame worship so that the experience can be as um, not necessarily structured, but like intentional as mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, really getting into that is kind of an art form in and of its own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing a little bit of research on the, the what I found is the liturgical year, um, was born out of this desire for uh, Christians who are being baptized to continue to experience the Gospels and growing in in their faith as a way to bridge that with their everyday lives. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas you're baptized, and it's like, okay, well, I still have X, Y, and Z that need to be done, and not much in my life has changed. This is sure. this was like an add on to to help Mary the Christian life and Mm -hmm. discipleship with Mm -hmm. the everyday Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to give some, some order to that. Sure.
0: Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, there is, believe it or not, there is great intentionality behind the ordering of worship, right? So it's not just about the color. It's not just about the season, Mm -hmm. but, there's also great intentionality around the hymns that are chosen, the scripture that's used, uh, the prayers that are printed or the call to worship, um, that we would be able to have a central focus and everything kind of ties together. And then for, for some, they will use what is referred to as the revised common lectionary, and that is uh, an ordering of scripture passages for the entire year, but the full lectionary is a three-year cycle. Yeah. Um, and so so we can talk a little bit about that, but but the um, while some congregations will use it in its entirety. In one Sunday, the readings that are put forth in the lection would be a reading from the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, a psalm, a reading from an epistle, and a reading from a gospel. And Now, remember, so the gospel and epistles are in the New Testament, psalms and the Hebrew scriptures, are in the Old Testament. Um, and other than the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, everything else is clumped into that to, for for our purposes here are clumped into the um, descriptor as epistles. Mm-hmm. So then and the,
1: the Gospels can be uh, set out. So you've got Matthew Mark and Luke that are yes. like distinct. Right. For the one, for each of the three years. Right.
0: We call those synoptic gospels. Yeah. Right.
1: And then John, which is considered, uh, see if I can pronounce this right, uh, Johanine.
0: J- yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Close yeah, enough. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just <laughs> uh, using it, John. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, that is interwoven between within the three. Mm -hmm. Um, Right.
0: We use John specifically at different times of year. Um, And a lot of John comes from or uh, comes from the other gospels, those other three. And so instead of reusing any, we just have limited it to a three-year cycle using predominantly Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, I mean, this is kind of interesting that that, um, in oh, get ready to use your new knowledge <laughs> <laughs> in ordinary time, the the common lectionary offers these different sets of readings. But um, so one set, uh, from this document that i'm I'm referencing, it says that one set proceeds mostly continuously, giving the story of the patriarchs and the exodus in year A the monarchical narratives in year B, and the readings from the prophets in year C. So that's kind of cool, right? to kind of give us the theme mm-hmm. of how that unfolds. Um, in the other set of readings for Ordinary Time, the readings from the Hebrew Bible are thematically related to the gospel lections. So there are some denominations and local churches that will read all four, of the passages every week. (laughs) And, and most of the time there is some theme that you can pull through them. uh, You know, some thread that you can weave through them, which is really cool. Uh, I know I, there was a church that I went to for a time that used all four and they printed them right there in the bulletin, which was kind of crazy to me, but Hey, whatever. (laughs) Um, And that was, so that was really neat. And they, they just, that's, that was just what they did. Um, but yeah, so, so the year and the year A, B, or C begins, remember, with the Christian calendar, with the beginning of Advent. So that whatever that first Sunday of Advent is, four Sundays before Christmas, that is when that year starts. So that's a little strange. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to get used to. It really is it's hard to get used to, but it's good. It's good. Um, and you know, I think too, it's just kind of fun to know little fun facts. It's helpful to know that, that we really, um, we haven't been using this for too terribly long. Uh, revised common lectionary was actually only first published in 1992. That's not very old. However, it does come from, um, a pretty historic background, you know, so, um, there was a common lectionary in 1983. Um, and then in 1969, there was a, you know, post Vatican II lectionary, but it really also, there's, there's dating and notes that go back into medieval times. But, but in that time, it was just kind of a more helter-skelter, just kind of random all over the place kind of thing where now it's really just, they've done lots of revisions as the name says. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and so now it just has themes and it flows. And of course there are some passages that you just think, well, why are we talking about that at this point of the year? And why didn't we talk about that back in February? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) You know, but Listen, we don't make all the decisions. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, one of the cool things, though, is that really, if you preach the lectionary, you can get through a pretty good chunk of Scripture in a couple of years. It doesn't cover every passage in Scripture. It does touch on a lot of the difficult ones that you might not preach on if it weren't for the lectionary. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's good stuff. I know, I I appreciate it, because there are definitely times where I just just need a little direction or a little help, and I find that the lectionary really, really does provide some um, great encouragement to, like I said, use passages that you might not necessarily have thought of or considered. Yeah. So, keeps you from using your favorites all the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can only
1: imagine how difficult it would be if uh, pastors had to pick... Uh, just out of thin air, essentially every week, consecutive years. Eventually, you're going to end up reusing something, and I can see how that can get very uh, demoralizing sometimes.
0: Well, sometimes, sure, and and there, are, oh, or you can get um, so used to certain scriptures yeah. that it's hard to break out of those. Yeah. Um. And so you will find that there are some pastors that just every Christmas, it's the same text, it's the same, and it probably is the same message. Like they're, that definitely happens. Mm-hmm. Because, But, you know, like for holidays especially, hey, folks, we're going to use the scripture of Jesus being raised from the dead <laughs> on Easter. Like yeah. we're not going to, yeah, that's just, it's what's going to happen.
1: And there's really only so many things you can say about it. True. To be honest.
0: But... You find on Christmas and Easter, though, like pastors are like we ramp up our game because we're not going to let some sermon fall flat. Oh,
1: for sure. When so many
0: people are present. And it's such a significant celebration in the life of the church. Um, I'd hope anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So so it does become even more challenging when you realize that, okay, I'm going to preach on this passage for this fourth year in a row or 10th year in a row and how am i going to how do you just allow it to come to life and you know that's really the the importance of allowing the holy spirit to just use you and it'll be it'll be good it'll work mhm but then you know it's fun though to deviate from the lectionary and do a sermon series on something sometimes i've even found the lectionary has led me to do a sermon series uh, for example doing a sermon series from ephesians well there's you know there's a time in, in the lectionary where you go through almost all of ephesians mm-hmm. so it makes it easy <laughs> right um to for it to become a series but that also means though that you're probably leaving out all the other passages that are present for that Sunday's lectionary. Yeah. Lectionary reading, but yeah, but it's kind of cool.
1: I like how the lectionary does its best to make sure that, uh, the old Testament and new Testament aren't kind of left on their own. Mm. Yeah. Um, I know that it, it, to a degree it can do maybe a little bit of disservice to old Testament scripture to consistently use the New Testament as a lens to read it through mm, yeah. just for the sake of like really trying to understand how God interacted with his people in that time and in that yeah, space sure um but on the on the same hand to to be able to read the Old Testament and see where God is starting a promise that we then see it fulfilled in the New Testament. Or even maybe the uh, like a, a promise that's fulfilled in later chapters in the same book, um, but to be able to to not see in the Old Testament a God of total wrath and like mm-hmm. iron fist, but to see okay, well he yeah there's rebuke and yeah it doesn't look pretty, mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time this is this is still the God that that sent Jesus. This mm-hmm. is still the God who is caring and is. Making a promise maybe fulfills it quick, maybe fulfills it in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's a promise that is still yet to be fulfilled because God's time. Mm -hmm. Um, But to see those instances of, oh, things are going to go really bad really quick, and then there's a drop of God's grace. Yes. Um, I think that is a special part of the lectionary, to be able Mm to... To have those moments, and then it be mirrored with a New Testament reading mm. that really influences how you're reading all of Scripture mm-hmm. on maybe that particular Sunday. Mm-hmm. Sure,
0: sure. Um,
1: one of the when I was in in college, one of the the first things that I was taught with reading the Bible um, is the phrase uh, "text without context is a pretext for a proof
0: text." Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> meaning a lot of text. it's
1: a lot of text <laughs> uh, but it essentially means if you don't have the context you can make whatever you're reading say whatever you want it to say true um and typically what what we would do when preparing scripture for a lesson or a sermon or whatever we're doing within the church where we're presenting scripture is you take what you want and then you go X number of verses before and after mm-hmm. just so that you have a good understanding of what's being said mm-hmm. to me. Context kind of should be cover to cover. And so with the lectionary having both mm-hmm. and, and some of the prophets and the mm-hmm. the Psalms mm-hmm. really helps inform
0: yeah.
1: everything that you're talking about.
0: Sure.
1: Um, I know we don't, here, I don't think you and Pastor Allen use the lectionary every week.
0: Not every week, no. Exactly. Um, but yeah,
1: you know, churches that do, I'm sure, are rich for doing it. Churches sure. that don't, I'm sure that I, I'm sure that in some way, the lectionary is still informing uh, a pastor's spirituality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. And so that's I, that, that. Fruits of that manifest in whichever way, but mm-hmm. to completely ignore it. I think would be a disservice Mm. because it it does help even Mm. if, even if uh, a congregation member has access to seeing what that is sure, and to use that as part of their own study would be immensely powerful.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons that I really encouraged us um, last year to just be able to read through the Bible because we, we need to have that context and Mm -hmm. not just sit where we feel comfortable in scripture but really, um, better understand and develop our understanding of Scripture and what it has to say as a whole. And I'd also like to add too that um, you know the Revised Common Lectionary isn't just something that like the United Methodist Church put out or the Episcopal Church put out, and and so there. My goodness, I I can't even tell you like at least fifteen churches, fifteen denominations, um, are part of the um, what was produced by the consultation on common texts is what produces the revised common lectionary. So it's the Anglican Church, Disciples of Christ, the Episcopal Church, the Lutheran Church, the Free Methodist, um, the Polish National Catholic Church yeah you know I mean the Presbyterian Church USA Pre- the Reformed Church in America a Unitarian Church the, the uh, United Church of Christ the United Methodist Church like like we're all a part of this there are people from all of these denominations who are who work on this and it's not a text or it's not a document that's set in stone so you can make like, suggestions and requests of uh how to edit the revised common lectionary so it's it's not a static document like it can it can change and um and be edited and and you you know arguments can be made for a certain passage to make sure it's included or something like uh, i just think that that's a really wonderful thing yeah Um, And you'll also find in some places it will refer to the Apocrypha. Ooh, so the Apocrypha, for those of us who aren't familiar with that, is actually several other books of the Bible that are included specifically in the Catholic Bible. Yeah. Not in the Protestant Bible, but in the Catholic Bible. And um, typically, if you would buy a, a Catholic Bible, the Apocrypha would be in between the Old Testament Scriptures and the New Testament Scriptures. Mm-hmm. It would be in there. So even that is interesting. And um, just because the canon, which is what we call um, what, was, what is a part of the Bible, we call it the canon um, just because some books didn't make it into the Protestant canon <laughs> mm-hmm. but remain in the Catholic canon doesn't mean that they aren't texts that aren't um, helpful for our faith right. or useful. It just means that that group of people decided that mm, that doesn't, no, might not, there are some, could be some arguments that it's, maybe not as valid or maybe came from a, a later time or you know yeah
1: some of the stuff in there i had a an intertestament intertestamental literature class mm-hmm. we read through the some of the apocrypha okay some of it is bizarre <laughs> <laughs> some of it's really interesting yeah. uh, like pseudo historical stuff yeah yeah but there are some things i think Particularly, some extended uh, chapters of Daniel, mm. where it's more visions. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hard. It was hard for me to track what was going on.
0: Mm. Okay. And so, more like Ezekiel type visions yeah. and beyond that. Yeah. 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 Um, so, it's, so it's interesting. Very interesting. Incredibly yeah. interesting. Good yeah. reads. Yeah, 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 um, yeah.
1: But I can. It is not difficult for me to understand why. Some of it wasn't. it was in question yeah <laughs> uh, especially when you're trying to to establish okay if if we're print like if we're printing the bible
0: mm-hmm.
1: if it's going to be something that people can can use what is most understandable i'm hoping that at least that was part of the conversation when they made that decision right <laughs> <laughs> but i mean if it was then that, that makes total sense to me mm-hmm and then still having it available um, as an add-on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's just really interesting the way the lectionary works. And and while some, I like, I, I'll tell you that I know that there are some pastors that just feel kind of um, confined by it. And listen, mm-hmm. there is a definite like moving of the Holy Spirit that sometimes you just as pastors, we just really feel God's wanting us to speak on something specific. And here's the text that's, that God leads us to. And it is not even close to being the lectionary um, c- because believe it or not, we can preach from Matthew um, every year, not just in year A. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so, uh, So there's that. And, um, and sometimes there's a story that is in all three, uh, you know, at least two or three of the gospels, but in one gospel, it just makes more sense for what we may be going through mm-hmm. the way it's presented. And so we want to use that one instead. Yeah. Um, so, so. While I personally am one who really appreciates and I'm grateful for the lectionary, um, I do tend, when I'm new to a congregation, I do tend to allow myself to preach more from the lectionary as I'm getting to know the people. I just think it's a lot easier to do that than, you know, I don't want to come in with, like, here's my vision. I want to come in and get to know people. and So I just want to talk about Jesus. And the lectionary is the best way I've found to help me do that. Um, well, it's a tool. It is.
1: Ultimately, yeah. it's a tool for anyone exactly. really to use.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's a tool. And, and, it's, and something that's really cool as well is that, you know, we can take the revised common lectionary and then we can make it um, a little more United Methodist, you might say, <laughs> because of the... Um, hymns in our hymnal that go along with some of those passages, you know, so it allows our worship to be fuller and richer whenever we can add on some of those things, some of those pieces within our worship that um, just kind of help bring, bring those texts to life. So, yeah. yeah, it's a good thing. And then also, like, we all have access to it. Anybody listening can have access to the Revised Common Lectionary. If you are interested in it, I would suggest that the easiest place to go would be, um, lectionary.library.vanderbilt.edu. Um, Vanderbilt Divinity Library is, uh, you know, right here on, right there online and they have everything listed out for you right there, you know, Sunday to Sunday, um, each year, uh, and you just, click on the one you want. And here's the reading for the coming week. As soon as you go to that website, readings for the coming week, um, proper non. do don't worry about numbers. Oh my gosh. There's all (laughs) kinds of different numbering and it's just, but, um, (laughs) but, but they'll also have the date. So July 4th, 2021, first reading for second Samuel, Psalm 48, um there might be an alternative reading. Don't get confused, just read what you want. <laughs> um 2 Corinthians and Mark chapter 6. So, you know, there you go for the July 4th weekend. And uh, and then they've got other other helpful things that you can look at. They have a daily lectionary reading as well. Links right there if you're interested in it. Um even a link to a calendar. So, there's all kinds of resources and it and it really is a very helpful tool, not only for those of us who are preaching and, and planning worship and leading worship, but for you and me, for mm-hmm. everybody. There, there is a really great guide um, that can be a wonderful resource for your daily devotion as well.
1: Yeah. We'll leave a link to that website in the description.
0: Definitely. Super yeah. easy. Cool. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. I mean, this, that's something we don't usually talk about. Yeah. The lectionary, the church calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Why we use certain colors on the altar. Yeah. Good stuff. So I hope you've learned something. I hope this has been a good conversation and a good discussion. And um, if it's left you with a question, feel free to give us a shout out or track us down on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be around.
1: For sure. Thanks again for joining us today. Um, Again, if you have any other questions, uh, feel free to uh, send us a direct message on Facebook. You can find us at Chippewa UMC or searching Chippewa United Methodist Church. Um, there should also be an email associated with uh, the podcast somewhere on either Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, if you're with us there. Um, otherwise, send us uh, send us that message on Facebook. Uh, any suggestions that you have, any questions about what you heard today or in a previous uh, episode, uh, we would love to uh, interact with all of you Um answer some of your questions and or uh, suggestions. Uh, We are going to have a new schedule uh, for the summer, which we will post and talk about a little bit next time. See you then.